Your parents were there for you. Now you want to be there for them as they age. Welcome to There for Them, a podcast designed to help you find the information and resources you need to support your aging parents. Hi, this is Tara Fleming Caruso, Collaborative Care Advisor at Hebrew Senior Life. Welcome to the latest episode of our podcast, Designed for the Adult Child on the Go. Listen to us whenever you can squeeze it in. We know it's not easy. We look forward to providing you with information and support so that you can do the same for your aging parents. In our last episode, we explored the range of supports one could bring into the home, as well as the varied senior living options that your parents might want to consider as they age. But how do we start this conversation with our parents? What are the best ways to frame the discussion? And what are some strategies for dealing with resistance to additional care or support? Our guest today is Aline Rusato, Executive Director of Orchard Cove, one of Hebrew Senior Life's continuing care retirement communities. We talked in our last episode about how these communities, sometimes referred to as CCRCs, offer a wide range of services and amenities, as well as care levels, should a senior's needs change over time. Beyond leading Orchard Cove, Aline is a passionate advocate of Hebrew Senior Life's person-centered approach to senior care, and she serves on the board of Leading Age Massachusetts. Aline, thank you so much for being here today. We're really lucky to have you with us. Hi, Tara. Great to talk with you today, and thank you for having me. All right, Aline, we're going to just jump right in. I have a scenario for you. You're an adult child. You're starting to notice some changes in your parents. You have ideas for different supports that might enhance their lives, make their lives easier, and bring more satisfaction and success. But without sounding like you're telling them what to do, how do you start this conversation? Well, first, let me encourage our listeners not to wait until you notice a change to have that conversation. We actually should really all be having the conversations, no matter our age or life circumstance. You don't need to be an older adult to think about this phase of life. It's really fascinating when you think about it this way. We all plan for so many aspects of our lives education, marriage, buying a house, having a family, our careers, our retirement. Yet, it all seems to come to a halt after retirement and for the later years of our lives. What we know for sure, this is not a phase of life that many people by nature necessarily look forward to. There are a lot of unknowns. It can be a phase of loss. We're also witnessing a whole new generation that is living so much longer than anyone else ever had, making this all very new for our world. So it all makes sense. We're not prepared to have this conversation, yet we have a chance to change that. We all need to work towards normalizing this conversation and making the later years of life a phase of life we really want to be prepared for. That's what we really love thinking about at Hebrew Senior Life. I love how you frame this and how you challenge us to view this phase of life other than through the lens of loss. I think that's really important. 
And I feel like if we take the opportunity to have these open and honest conversations, they have to become easier over time. But to be honest, the most difficult part for me, even more difficult than being in these conversations, Aline, was the anxiety I felt while thinking about how to have the conversation. I didn't know where to start, and I was really scared. What advice do you give to people on how to begin? That's another great question, Tara. For sure, this is not a conversation that comes naturally. Here's what I find. Most of us think about this conversation as a conversation that's intended to fix a problem. A conversation about how the adult child now becomes the expert in knowing what their parents will need. I'd like to actually offer a different approach. How about we think about this as a conversation about what matters most, not what's the matter? How about we shift from what's the matter to what matters most? Really, it's not about what's broken and what we're going to do about it. It's about what someone wants for their life, about capitalizing on what works well, what's important to them, and putting in place systems to help maximize that part of life. When we don't ask what matters, I find that we end up fixing a problem that may not be the one that's important to the person. It all becomes pretty simple once you've asked that question, and it is really easy to forget to ask. What I've learned in my career and my experience is that even when I think I know what's important to that person, I'm so often surprised to hear what their answers are to the question. It's not always what I thought. So even if an adult child thinks they know and have some or perhaps all of the answers, start by asking the question. It actually can be fun. It can be surprising. It brings people together. Another strategy that I have often considered is to adopt a time of the year when you want to check in on this topic. Again, try to do it when everything is good. Maybe a birthday, Thanksgiving, a holiday, a vacation. Make it part of life. Normalize the conversation. The more you practice it, the easier it can get. And in the spirit of not waiting until later years of life when something is wrong, we should all be answering these questions, not just our parents. Yeah, that is a really good point. I imagine that when we both answer the question, it can equalize the conversation and make it more of a give and take. Can you give me a few ideas of what questions you would ask to get a better understanding of what matters most? Sure. First of all, I think it's important to remember that you're probably not going to get there in one conversation. This really takes time takes a lot of indirect questions that guide you to the essence of what is important. It's not a quick process. Here are a few questions that come to mind, and you might want to play with them a little bit. How about asking, what is the one thing that makes you happy? What brought you the most happiness in the past two weeks? Trying to focus on a period of time sometimes is really helpful. What brings your life meaning? What motto do you live by? What was the biggest change you made in your life? What are you the proudest of? What do you look forward to most when you wake up? 
Or you might take a totally different approach and be a little more concrete and ask something like, what are the three non-medical facts you'd like your doctor to know about you? And just remember, try to ask questions that only the person you're asking them from can answer. And then listen. Listen really Mm. intently. Mm. Those are good suggestions. And I'm noticing that all of those questions, none of them are threatening. So I think that they would be pretty easy to answer. Those are good suggestions. We've only talked today about the adult child asking these questions and initiating the conversation. Do you think the adult child is generally the best person to do this? I can imagine in some cases that starting with a more neutral person could be helpful. How have you seen this played out in your work? You know, I think you're right. I think that we often consider the person the closest in relationship to the older adult as the person who will be the best suited to have this conversation. And I'm actually not sure that that's necessarily the case. It certainly can be, and it's wonderful when that is the case. And sometimes considering somebody a little bit removed helps. Sometimes a doctor, a spiritual leader, a social worker, a great friend, a more distant relative can make the conversation a little bit less emotional and a little bit easier to have, or at least to get started. Or it can be a combination of all of those people. Another option that a lot of families consider is to actually hire a geriatric care manager, a professional that really specializes on the different options that exist and that can help you formalize the conversation a little bit. Hmm. So it's really individualizing this process, isn't it? And knowing the person and figuring out for that person who has the voice that they can best hear. And maybe it's the adult child and... Yeah, and maybe it's not, but I would add that we can't spend so much time trying to figure out who should have the conversation that we avoid it altogether and delay the process so much that one finds themselves in a crisis without having had any conversation. At Newbridge on the Charles, we live by the motto, it's always too early until it's too late. That's absolutely the most common statement we deal with in the world of older adults and their planning. I'm not ready yet is the sentence I probably hear the most. And really, nobody's ever quite ready to make a big change, to add services, to consider a move. It's so unfortunate because I think you're absolutely right, Tara. If it's no longer too early, it's often too late. And when it's too late, it's often a crisis not only is a crisis extremely difficult to handle, and also during a time of crisis, options are very limited. It all goes back to that concept of starting the conversation early, and that lack of planning is really difficult to handle. And then what's most ironic in all of this is what we often find is by the time somebody makes a change in their life and adds that little something that will make their lives easier, they often say, you know what, I should have done this sooner. They find that they gain so much relief and actually a lot of autonomy. Hmm. So for those situations when you do notice change, what's the approach then? You know, I would suggest that it's actually not that different. It can certainly be more complicated as we just talked about and it can be a lot more pressure. 
it just goes back to remembering to ask the question of what's important and stay away from fixing the wrong problem. It's about asking good, deep questions and really listening to the answers. It's about empowering the older adult to make or at least help make the decisions. Here's another difficult part that um, I think I witness a lot. The person you're supporting won't always make the decisions you believe are right, and that can be really difficult. I probably sound really repetitive by now, but when you start by asking what matters most, I find that you get so much further into understanding and appreciating the decision than being able to support it as best as you can. Mm, It's such a lovely way to frame the conversation. In closing, Aline, are there any tools or discussion guides that you would recommend to our listeners that would help them deepen their understanding of how to facilitate these conversations and how to elicit that what matters most from their loved one? I'm so glad you asked. Yes, there are. There are actually several. Um, One of my favorite is an impressive movement that is going on in Massachusetts, which is led by Dr. Atul Gwande and Maureen Bissanyano from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. It's called the Massachusetts Coalition for Serious Illness Care, where over 100 organizations are committed to working towards ensuring that the delivery of care is aligned with values and preferences at all stages of life and all points of care. Those values and preferences are really what I've just been referencing as what matters most. They have a fantastic website with a lot of resources on the website. Another great resource and possibly a more concrete one in also a member of this coalition is the Conversation Project. They have some extremely concrete tools and actually little catalogs of questions you can ask and guide on how to have a meaningful conversation. Mm. I actually use the Conversation Project as a guide for my own conversations with my parents, and it was so grounding and so helpful. Thanks, Aline. This was really helpful. You have such a unique and sensitive perspective on this work to shift from the mindset of fixing something to actually really listening and understanding what matters most to a person leaves so much more room for respect and for honest dialogue. I'm always inspired listening to you. Thank you again. Thank you, Tara. For listeners looking for more information, we invite you to check out Hebrew Senior Life's ebook entitled You and Your Aging Parents A Family Approach to Lifelong Health, Wellness, and Care by visiting www.hebrewseniorlife.org forward slash ebook. And of course, subscribe to this podcast. In our next episode, we'll talk about memory loss. What's a normal part of aging? when to be concerned, what first steps an adult child could help their parents explore, and how to support that parent as a family. We hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening to There For Them, brought to you by Hebrew Senior Life, a leading senior care nonprofit organization that's an affiliate of Harvard Medical School and is uniquely dedicated to rethinking researching, and redefining the possibilities of aging. Learn more at HebrewSeniorLife.org.